things have really soared in price over the past year or so. So it's almost impossible now to find good growth prospects in today's market. That's why lots of people, myself included, are waiting cash in hand for a new generation of tech unicorns to IPO so we can scoop them up before they too become unaffordable. Unfortunately, IPOs are long, painful and costly affairs for the startups in question. So many of these startups are now opting for a different, more direct route to market by merging with shell companies called SPACs. This saves them a lot of time and money and guarantees their valuation. All good things for the startup. But is the SPAC mania also good for retail investors like us? Let's find out. Hi there, my name is Amit and I've spent the past 20 years saving and investing my way to financial independence. In this show, I share everything I've learned on my financial journey. So like me, you too can build wealth, stop chasing a paycheck and start chasing your dreams instead. Regular listeners would know that most episodes of Money Talk come with a free tool or a template that you can use to accelerate your own financial journey. And this one is no different. Today we bring to you a comprehensive cheat sheet for how to invest in SPACs. And you can download that and use it as part of your own investing strategy. Just click the episode notes and you'll see the link over there and you can go to our website to download this, uh, this pretty cool cheat sheet. Okay, so I'm based in Singapore and the hottest news in the tech industry nowadays is about Grab, which is like the Uber of Southeast Asia, which is about to go public at a valuation of around $40 billion in what is said to be the largest ever SPAC merger till date. But though it's the biggest, it's definitely not rare. Apart from Grab, other noteworthy tech darlings in Asia that are using the SPAC route are companies like Traveloka and the Gojek Tokopedia merged entity called Goto. Goto? <laughs> Not very sure, but something like that. And in the US, we also have companies like 23andMe and BuzzFeed and a lot of others as well. But why is that? Why do all these companies want to go through this weird thing called a SPAC? Well, in a nutshell, it's because IPOs have a much higher burden of regulation and therefore they are slower and more costly to execute, whereas PACs are more lightly regulated and hence offer an easier, faster route to public markets. So it's pretty clear that as long as regulations don't change, SPACs will continue to dominate as the preferred way to list on the US stock market for tech startups such as Grab and the ones that I've mentioned earlier. But what makes them great for startups is exactly what makes them riskier for retail investors like us. And we need to be extra careful investing in them. But not to worry, we did the research for you and found a few ways to invest in a relatively safe manner. I'll share those ideas with you towards the end of today's episode, but frankly more useful for you, we've also summarized these ideas into a handy cheat sheet that you can download for free online. So the year was 1881. It was the age of the American dream, a golden period of industrial and technological innovation in the US. Railroads in particular were the hot new growth industry expanding significantly to bring even 
remote parts of the country into a national market economy and making fortunes for their promoters and investors very much actually like the tech industry today so enter this gentleman called henry willard who wanted to acquire the northern pacific railroad now unfortunately he didn't have the money to buy it outright and by the way it was just a few million dollars back then today that would be pretty much the price of a luxury apartment in the maybe downtown mumbai or singapore or manhattan but anyway uh, he didn't have the few million dollars because this was obviously more than 100 years ago so he decided to raise funds from the public but how could he do that because the moment he advertised the owners of the railroad would see that advertisement and immediately jack up their asking price so he hit upon a pretty interesting plan he'll ask the public to invest blindly in other words just to give him the money on the promise of revealing the purpose after a few months it was really quite a gamble he didn't expect people to give him the money sight unseen just based on trust so frankly i don't think he knew what he's going to get out of it but guess what not only did he get the funds he needed it was actually oversubscribed within 24 hours and that's when the world discovered a new truth about the psychology of money if you don't tell people how you'll use their money they seem to get even more eager to give it to you and thus in a way was born the first spac spacs are special purpose acquisition companies spac spac that list and raise funds in public markets for the sole purpose of acquiring other usually private companies even if the acquisition target is not yet known at the time of listing this is obviously very different from an ipo which is an operating private company trying to sell its shares and therefore raise funds from the public for its own future growth and expansion maybe the easy way to explain this is in the clever words of don butler who is the managing director at thomvest ventures so an ipo is a company looking for money whereas a spac is money looking for a company and because spacs actually go through an ipo themselves in the process of raising funds when they do acquire or merge with their target private companies they completely eliminate the need for the private company to go through an ipo and this is how they create a shortcut for startups to go public so now you know what they are let's see how they actually work so we are going to focus this discussion on us spacs because that's where 90% of the action is for those other countries that have their own variants of spac the us explanation applies pretty much you know more or less to all of them so we are going to talk really only about the us so let's see how spacs actually get set up and how they work and this happens in multiple steps and we'll go through them one by one so step 1 all spacs are started by a so called spac sponsor who comes up with the theme or the concept of the spac for example a spac could be focused on a particular industry now this spac unlike the startup that it will eventually acquire is the company that will actually go through the ipo process and become a listed company however at this point the spac is still a private entity in search of funds step 2 the sponsor advertises their spac and by virtue of their networks or their expertise or perhaps their celebrity is able to attract investors who believe this person has some unique edge 
that will help them find a great future acquisition. So these folks come together to invest in the SPAC like they would fund any private company. Do note, however, that at this stage, the check sizes are pretty large in the range of millions of dollars per check. So it's not something you or I can get into with the few hundred or thousand dollars that we might have at our disposal. Step three, early investors in the SPAC are now given shares in the company, just like they would with any other private investment. However, if that's all they got, it would be a pretty unattractive investment. They're taking a huge risk of the unknown, compensated by the relatively controlled or average returns that they could get from the stock market, uh, which they could get from anything else in the stock market or from other private investments. Which is why SPAC investors are also given an extra reward over and above the shares that they are buying into. They also get free warrants at a small premium over the IPO price. Warrants are special kinds of financial instruments which can be converted into shares at a predefined price in future. Actually, kind of like options for those of you who are familiar with options. In the case of SPACs, these warrants are typically set to trigger at a price around 15 to 30% higher than the eventual IPO price of the SPAC. So for example, if the SPAC IPOs at $10 a share, the warrants will be priced at $11.50 or $13 per share. And this is a great deal because these options or these warrants could potentially generate a substantial number of free additional shares for the holder if the price goes 15 to 30% above the IPO. Now we come to the fourth step. Once all the early investors have put in their money, a typical SPAC by now would have raised several hundred million dollars. And at this point, the SPAC will go through the IPO process to become a public listed company. However, because it isn't an operating company, there's not much to report in terms of business metrics. It's basically just a glorified bank account, right? So most SPACs are allowed to list with very little trouble from regulators. And most of them list with a standard share price of $10, which is pretty much all backed by cash in the bank. And once it IPOs, it's at this point that regular people like you and me can buy these shares from the open market. Now, if the SPAC has a lot of hype around it, and frankly, many of them do nowadays, you might end up paying more than the IPO price of $10, even though the company still has only $10 per share in the bank and nothing else. So now we come to the fifth step. Now that the IPO is done, management starts to identify acquisition targets. The key issue though, is that SPACs typically have only two years to complete a deal. If they fail, the money raised is returned to investors. And obviously nobody wants that. Why? Because the sponsor stands to gain incredible amounts of money from the SPAC. And I'll talk more about this in a few minutes. The investors also, with their shareholding and warrants, have quite a significant stake in the process. So what's an ideal target company? Remember, SPAC investors want to make a killing, not just some inflation-adjusted rate of return. So the target can't be just any old company. It needs to be something uh, spectacular. <laughs> so a, a great target would meet these four criteria, actually. Number one, it should be IPO ready so that once it becomes a public company, it doesn't collapse under the compliance requirements of a public company. 
Number two, it has to have a private valuation that is lower than a comparable public company. So there's room for the price to rise post IPO. The third one, the founder should have a huge dream and a vision that makes for a great public story. And number four, perhaps most of all, it should be in a super hyped sector that the entire world wants to invest in. So think of, for example, food delivery during COVID. That would be a great sector, which is pretty hot right now. Okay, so now five steps are done. The management has identified acquisition targets. So step six, once an acquisition is identified, this will be announced to the public and due diligence will start on the target company. If the acquisition target is exciting, the listed SPAC share prices will probably start rising already in anticipation of a great deal. And now we come to step seven. This one is the main one to note if you want to make big money on SPACs. So listen carefully. After diligence is complete, all shareholders of the SPAC, including retail investors who bought shares after the SPAC IPO, all shareholders get to vote on the acquisition. If you don't like the target company, you can vote against it. And if you vote against it, you can exit the investment and redeem your money back at close to the actual $10 or close to the original $10 per share. It'll be a bit different because uh, some costs, etc. might get subtracted. But to keep it simple, I'm just going to say it's the original $10 per share. So if you vote against the acquisition, you can get back $10 per share. But get this, you still get to keep the warrants. Isn't that amazing? Essentially, you get to hold on to potentially valuable warrants for zero money invested. Now, of course, you better hope that not too many people exit because then the acquisition falls through and the SPAC needs to start looking for a whole new target. And given the two-year timeline, it would be really tough for it to try and find another great company and do the due diligence and complete the acquisition. So all parties will try hard to save the deal either by cutting the management share or by reducing the valuation of the target company in the event of too many people withdrawing from the deal. And frankly, a failure would also not be great for the resumes of these celebrity type uh, sponsors. So they would definitely try hard to make it work. So then we go to step eight. If the acquisition is voted through, the next step is to raise even more money to fund the deal. Yeah, you heard me right. The hundreds of millions that this pack already has isn't enough. Partly because a large chunk of that money actually always ends up being redeemed and taken away by uh, investors who are exiting the deal and hence not available. And partly because nowadays, great startups command really high valuations. So a SPAC always needs to raise more money, but there is nowadays no shortage of uh, funds that are more than happy to throw in a billion or two. This additional funding is called private investment in public equity, or in short, PIPE. I guess they call it that because you've got to be smoking something to want to invest at these valuations. <laughs> okay, so now that this is done, uh, the pipe has been smoked, etc. Then it's on to the last step, step nine. The SPAC applies to regulators for permission to merge with the target company. And this is a relatively light process versus a full-fledged IPO. 
And once this is all done and approved by the regulators, the SPAC merges with the target in what is called a D-SPAC transaction. So the SPAC takes on the name of the target company and starts its new life as an operating business and its shares start being valued like an operating business rather than as a bank account or just a plain speculative bet. So, given the amount of money needed to set up a SPAC, how many SPACs do you think are currently out there? 10? 20? Maybe 50? No, there are 426 of them right now seeking acquisitions, with another 292 awaiting their IPO. Together, they represent almost $200 billion with a B, seeking companies to acquire. In fact, 85% of all SPAC money in the last 20 years were raised in just the last one and a half years. So why are they suddenly so popular? First of all, if we just look at the broader picture, it is obvious that there's a lot of money sloshing around looking for ways to make good returns. According to some statistics, 20% of the entire US dollar supply ever was created in pretty much the last one year to help combat the economic impacts of COVID. Most of this money has ended up in institutional or ultra-rich hands who prefer to invest it rather than spend it, obviously. And the very definition of a SPAC is money looking for an investment. So these investors get to buy into shares of a potentially hot company and even make some extra from warrants. And they can walk away from the investment risk-free with all their money back while still keeping the warrants. So compared to most other ways of putting money to work, SPACs are an excellent risk-adjusted investment vehicle. So that's why a lot of investors obviously are interested in SPACs. And then let's look at the founders of all of these cool startups. So if they choose to IPO, they of course get a very fancy listing day experience with the bell ringing and all of that, everyone clapping and the press and all of that stuff. But on the flip side, the whole process is cumbersome, expensive, long, very distracting for the management team. Plus, their valuation isn't exactly known till pretty much the last day. On the other hand, if they go the SPAC route, founders need to only negotiate with the SPAC for a valuation, not with dozens of all-powerful institutions as part of an IPO roadshow, which gets them a much more favorable and a committed number in a much shorter time. Plus, prior to merger, there is no barrier to advertising. Founders can sell the dream how much ever they want to small investors and whip them up into a frenzy of speculation. As an example, in fact, a company called Archer was valued at $16 million with an M when it was private. But a year after the last valuation, they went public via a SPAC at a jaw-dropping $3.8 billion with a B just in one year. So what's not to like for the founders? And finally, we come to sponsors, the people who kick off the entire SPAC process. Why do they even do it? Well, it's because they have the best deal of all, a compensation structure that allows them to make truly incredible gains with very little money down. 
and let's look at that in a bit more detail. In 2019, a former Citigroup banker called Michael Klein set up a SPAC that took a company called Clarivate Analytics Public in what turned out to be one of the most successful SPAC deals for a private company. But what focused everyone's attention on this particular deal was the windfall gain that Klein was able to negotiate for himself as part of the deal. When all was said and done, Michael Klein made $60 million from sales of stock while holding on to a further $300 million in unsold shares. In addition, he also made almost $50 million from advisory fees. And get this, all of this was for just putting in a piddling $25,000 as his initial investment. Amazing, right? Well, yes it is because it's probably the best return ever made by a SPAC sponsor or maybe frankly made by anyone of in all time. But it's not completely on the fringe either. In general, sponsors have the sweetest deal of all, making astounding amounts of money for almost laughably small investments. It's a three-pronged strategy. First, the laughably small investment. Unlike other investors, a sponsor is mostly bringing their network, their knowledge and their celebrity. So they often come in with very little money compared to others. So even if this pack has, you know, like middling level success, because of their small investment, their ROI can be massive. The second thing is something called the promote. In return for their unique expertise and their role that they obviously play in the deal making, they get something called a promote, which is a chunk of shares in the post acquisition entity as an incentive to complete the transaction. And this is where the money is. The promote isn't some little one or two million dollar bonus that they're getting. It's usually something like 20% of the SPAC. So for example, if a SPAC is raising $500 million, the sponsor could well be awarded $100 million worth of shares in the final company. In Clarivate's case, the stock did very well after acquisition. And this is how Michael Klein made his several hundred million in shares. And finally, they can even make a bit of cash on the side. As part of the acquisition, the SPAC usually needs to raise additional funds, which is the pipe that we discussed earlier. This fundraise comes with its own costs, such as legal, due diligence, etc. And sometimes a sponsor can actually serve as the service provider in this process and make money off the fees for these services. And these fees could easily run into the millions for a large acquisition. I mean, when there are billions involved, what's a few million here or there? And this is how Michael Klein made the additional $50 million from advisory fees that he gained from three different SPACs that he uh, was the sponsor for. Okay, so by now I'm sure at least some of you want to become SPAC sponsors. And good luck with that. Do count me in as well, please. But irrespective of what you think about the system, the big issue in all this is for the retail investor because they don't know that for every dollar that they invest in a pre-acquisition SPAC, 
over 20% of it will be skimmed off by the sponsor when the acquisition happens and after other costs are paid they're likely to be up to 25% down in other words for every dollar they put into a spac share they will only end up with maybe 75 cents worth of the final entity so the post spac fully diluted stock price has to gain by more than 30% for the retail investor to even get their money back let alone make a profit worse we currently have hundreds of spacs chasing very few good targets in a short 2 year time frame so obviously all the target companies know that and they will play off spacs against each other inflating their own prices and making the resulting listings pretty poor investments for everyone other than the sponsors and perhaps the early backers and this has been proved in the past with very few exceptions the vast majority of spacs have fallen below their ipo price or underperformed the market as a whole this is obviously terrible for those who buy at speculative inflated prices but if you can be patient it's also the trick to making substantial gains in spacs let's see how now there are several ways to participate in spac listings you can buy spac stocks directly in the market they are easy to identify as most have the word acquisition or investment in their names and successful sponsors typically raise multiple spacs so they might even have a number like a roman 1 2 or letters a b and c for example khosla ventures has khosla ventures acquisition company 3 or chamath paliha pitiya has promoted spacs with ticker symbols ipo a ipo b etc that's one way second is you could also invest via the very few spac focused etfs such as spac as an spak and spcx though let me warn you that their performance is obviously going to be broadly in line with the spac market and given that most spacs underperform these etfs are unlikely to be great bets overall at least in my opinion finally you could buy the spac warrants only which are actually listed separately from the spac stock warrants behave similar to options in that they are worth something only if the underlying stock rises above the warrant price so of course you could make uh, actually quite a killing if you're lucky but if the deal falls through or the resulting stock underperforms you'd lose all your money so speaking for myself i'd avoid the etf or warrants and focus on the stocks themselves now remember two things number one most spacs before they actually merge with a target have let's say 10 dollars of cash for every 10 dollar ipo uh, price per share so if the price falls below 10 you'd actually be buying 10 dollars worth of cash in a bank account for less than 10 dollars number two as a shareholder of the spac when the acquisition is put to a vote you can actually vote to redeem your shares and exit with 10 dollars in cash so if you can get into the spac at less than 10 i think you'd pretty much be guaranteed to make money whatever happens if the announced target is good the price will rise to more than 10 dollars and you can sell it at a profit if it's not a great acquisition the price could drop but then you just vote to redeem your shares and recover 10 dollars best of all given that there were hundreds of spacs launched in the last year or so i think many will struggle to make good acquisition announcements 
within that short two year limit and this should create plenty of buying opportunities for all of us in just a few months from now so happy hunting folks okay so today's been a pretty heavy episode but we can just summarize it in essentially two points number 1 spacs are pretty good for their early investors and company founders and they are honestly pretty much uh, heaven on a plate for their sponsors but they're really the wild west of the ipo market and more likely than not uh, you'll get burned as a retail investor who's buying into hype but the second point if you have patience you can possibly buy in below their ipo price or let's say typically below the 10 dollar ipo price and make potentially guaranteed upside within months sure the returns won't be stratospheric you're not going to make 10x your investment and all of that but it will be risk free and that in today's market is itself quite amazing okay so that's it for today folks spacs honestly are a new topic for me and i had a lot of fun making this episode and if you enjoyed this episode as much as i did making it then please do subscribe and also tell your friends to have a listen so we can all try to make some risk free money in the market and god knows we need some of that and finally before we close a quick reminder that today we have for you a free checklist on how to invest in spacs it actually covers a lot more points than what we discussed in the episode so i highly highly recommend you check it out before you jump into your own spac research so do go to our website register download and let me know how it goes thanks for tuning in see you next time and uh, before i go for my friends in indonesia sampai jumpa lagi this was amit with money talk see you next time